0: Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Today, our church around the world celebrates the great feast of the ascension of Jesus Christ into heaven. Now if you look at the first reading from Acts of the Apostles, it gives us a wonderful synopsis of this event. Now, it's important to note the author of Acts of the Apostles. It's Luke, the author of the Gospel of Luke, who was a close companion of St. Paul. Scholars would argue that if we truly want to know Christianity, we must read the Gospel of Luke and Acts of the Apostles as one novel. In fact, Luke, being a literary genius, wrote both the Gospel of Luke and Acts of the Apostles to be one combined novel. Now, the first part of the novel is the Gospel of Luke, and it deals exclusively with Jesus Christ. His life, his being born into this world, his miracles, his preaching, his teaching, his passion, death, and resurrection. The second part of the novel is Acts of the Apostles that deals exclusively with the life of the church in its infancy and the challenges and struggles that it undergone. So with that in mind, let's go to the first reading. Chapter 1, verse 1. It says in the first book, Theophilus. Well, the first book that he's referencing is the Gospel of Luke that deals with all the events surrounding with Jesus' passion, death, and resurrection. Therefore, we can naturally assume that the Acts of the Apostles is the sequel to the Gospel of Luke. Now, notice it appears he's addressing a person named Theophilus that Luke is writing Acts of the Apostles just for this person and this person alone. Now realize it wasn't uncommon for an affluent or wealthy benefactor to financially sponsor or support the apostles or disciples. In doing so, the apostles weren't preoccupied with worries of money or expenses or where they're going to get food or where they're going to stay. In doing so, they could devote all of their attention to evangelization. But also realize, Luke was a physician. He was a very wise and articulate person. Now, I think he's intentionally using this word Theophilus to mean that the Acts of the Apostles is written for us. Remember, the Bible is originally written in Greek, and this is a Greek word, Theophilus. When translated to English, it means beloved of God. Well, Acts of the Apostles isn't necessarily written for any one person, but it is written for us because we are the beloved of God. We are lovers of God. And this shows Luke's literary genius. You could say he has universalized Acts of the Apostles such that every person that reads the Acts of the Apostles, Luke is telling them that it is written for us. Now reread it with that translation. In the first book, Beloved of God, I dealt with all that Jesus did and taught. Well, Acts is specifically written for us because we are all lovers of God. Now, he continues He, being Jesus, presented himself alive to them by many proofs after he had suffered, appearing to them for forty days. Luke now is addressing the miracle of Jesus' resurrection. You could say Luke is trying to substantiate it, prove it. In many different ways. First, the empty tomb. Next, he appears to the apostles. Then, his encounter with Thomas. And then, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, where Paul writes that Jesus appeared to 500 people simultaneously. And finally, probably the greatest evidence in which Jesus appears to the fiercest adversary of our church, Saul himself, and converts him. Luke is telling us you can't refute these things. There's overwhelming evidence that Jesus truly rose from the dead. Notice also the detail. It says he appeared to them for 40 days. Why? Why that 40-day period? Well, if you look at the Bible, it's a basic biblical truth. Numbers have a sacred symbol attached to them. This case, it's a period of preparation for the apostles before their ministry. If you see this up and down the sacred scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, people needing a period of time for preparation before they enter into ministry. give you some examples. Moses, he spends 40 days and 40 nights on top of Mount Sinai before he receives the Ten Commandments and gives them to the Israelites and leads them to the Promised Land. How about Elijah? He walks 40 days and 40 nights in the desert and finally comes to Mount Sinai, where he encounters God and becomes the next prophet. Look at Jesus. He spent 40 days and 40 nights in the desert battling the devil. And then, afterwards, he began his ministry. How about Paul? After his conversion on the road to Damascus, he didn't start becoming an apostle. Instead, he fled into the Arabian desert and spent three years there before he began to evangelize. Well, the apostles, they needed a time of preparation before they began the ministry of establishing our church. You know, we continue that same tradition. You know, if anyone comes into our church and receives a sacrament, we ask them, you know, to undergo a period of preparation so that they're properly prepared to receive the sacrament. Young couples with babies, you know, have to take baptismal classes. Second graders or confirmation students have to undergo a period of preparation to receive their sacraments. Engaged couples, we require them to come in six months before their wedding day, you know, to prepare for that sacrament. See, in doing so it helps us fathom the magnitude of those sacraments and how the sacraments awaken in us the response to Christ in our life. Now notice an odd question that the apostles asked Jesus. They say, Lord, will you restore the kingdom now? It's an odd question. They know Jesus is going back to heaven, and yet they ask him that question. I don't know about you, but I would be asking Jesus about heaven. What's it like? Is it a place? What's going to happen to us? Now, remember, the apostles, they truly believed Jesus was the Messiah, but they thought he was a political Messiah, like a president, that would usher in a new government, a new administration. What are they really getting at? They want to know where they're going to be in the pecking order of this new government. Notice how Jesus responds to them. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. Yes, they will receive the power of the Holy Spirit, but only through the power of the Holy Spirit can they accomplish the work of the church. At the very end of the story, Jesus finally ascends back into heaven. Now, if there's one thing that we have to understand about the ascension, one thing that we have to take away from it is how the ascension links Christmas and Easter together. How it links the birth of Jesus as well as his passion, death, and resurrection. Jesus was born into this world, and in doing so, he didn't leave his divine nature behind in heaven. No. When he was born into this world, he was born just like you and I, with a human nature, but also with his divine nature, fully intact. When he died and rose from the dead, he didn't leave his human nature in the tomb and rise fully divine. Instead, he rose fully divine and fully human. And see, now he ascends back into heaven, but he ascends with both natures human nature and divine nature. And now our human nature resides in heaven, in which it never did before. That's why this celebration is a celebration for Christ, but also for us. You could say heaven has now adapted itself, accommodated itself to receive our human nature. See, that's why the ascension is so important for us. Jesus Christ carved a pathway that never existed before. And it's a pathway that our ancestors have already walked. Maybe our parents, our grandparents, maybe even our children have all walked this pathway. And it's a pathway we hope one day we will walk ourselves. And this is why we go to Mass every week. We pray every day. We do the corporal and spiritual works of mercy. We live out our faith every day to the best of our abilities. Because of that hope, that we will follow Jesus in the pathway that he created through the power of his ascension. Today we have to realize our hopes and our dreams have now become a reality and that one day we too will follow that pathway of the ascension so that we will be with Jesus and all the saints and the angels and our ancestors in heaven for all of eternity. And that is something for us to really rejoice in. And may the peace and the grace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.